This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Love Daily for Monday, May 23rd, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serena. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Happy Monday, everyone. How's it going? It's going good. I, um, Ryan, I got a new keyboard. I got like a, I don't know. The, it, you know what's funny? It's like all the keyboards on computers have begun have been getting smaller the keys are smaller they're not as tactile as the old keyboards and now it's it, the trend's going back to like those clickety clack keyboards you know what i'm talking about like the um, yeah no i have a, i have a mechanical keyboard because i like it to sound keyboard. like yeah I, yeah I like it to sound like my keys are getting punched in the face as i'm typing so uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- listen listen to my keyboard ryan listen to it okay yeah yeah Am I cool now? Probably not. Um, well, I don't know about cool. I think we should just definitely take a lot of the episode to talk about keyboards for sure. <laughs> but the, the the one thing that's funny about this is I bought this keyboard. It looks cool. I love it. I love like using it. It really is like it's very satisfying to have that clickety clack while you're typing. But the problem is, I I, I do a podcast on slash phone. <laughs> Right. And it makes a lot of noise. So I got yeah, to remember to mute. Yeah, I tend to mute my mic a lot while we're talking because mine will sometimes uh, bleed through because mine is even a little bit more aggressive than yours is. I think mine is uh, <laughs> my mind. Uh, my ex-girlfriend absolutely hated it. Uh, she because she likes she likes the most quiet keyboards that mankind makes. And mine just is I, I looked for like I. I, I would have asked the manufacturer to make it more obnoxious if I could have. So. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I just love it, and I just think it's funny that like things go in cycles like that. Like we got rid of the mechanical keyboards, and now the mechanical keyboards are making this huge comeback. And, well, not uh, only that, but but I was looking on Amazon. There's some now that are stylized, like with that like ugly brown taupe '90s like keyboard. So uh, not only are they like mechanical keyboards, but they look like something you would see stacked up at a Goodwill now. Well, I, I got the Logitech Pop keyboard. This is not a sponsorship or ad in any way. And it's yellow. It's bright yellow and has black <laughs> and, and gray keys. And uh, you're either going to love or hate this, Ryan. On the right-hand side, it has five keys that are customizable for emojis. Okay. That's a, that's pretty that's pretty useful. <laughs> so I have my five uh, m- most often used emojis on on, on hand. Anyways, okay. We, we've derailed this podcast way too long <laughs> talking about keyboards. Uh, let's talk about this weekend's box office. So uh, what was the new film this week? Let's Downton do Abbey? that. 
Yeah, let's do that, Peter. Uh, so there were a couple new films this week. Uh, we had Downton Abbey, A New Era, the sequel to 2019's Downton Abbey movie, which itself was contained within the same universe as the Downton Abbey series. That was quite popular. Uh, and then we also had A24's new film from uh, director Alex Garland, Men, um, which, um, you know, uh, look, let's be honest, Doctor <laughs> Strange still beat both of these movies. Uh, although worth noting, uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in its third weekend made $31.6 million. The first Downton Abbey made around $31 million. So, you know, it wasn't like outlandish that a Downton Abbey movie could have gotten in that ballpark. However... Uh, the sequel has debuted to $16 million, putting it at number two. Ouch. Well, okay. That's the that's the first read of it. Uh, now, um, I, I wrote a bit about this in my write-up this week, but it did $35.6 million internationally, so it's already at $51.7 million worldwide against a $40 million budget. In modern COVID times, that still looks pretty good. After a single weekend... This thing should be able to get to around $100 million. I don't see that being an issue by, by the time it runs out of juice. And then it can probably set itself up for a pretty nice run on VOD and streaming. So a $40 million budget, making about, what, 2.5 times its budget, plus whatever it makes on VOD and streaming, I think any studio in town would take that. So no, it's just because the first one overperformed so much that, you know, it looks bad in 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 comparison but you know good is still good so i i sort of take that as a as a positive despite the the kind of uh, perception that the drop yeah. gives you i mean so you don't think this is the end of the downton abbey franchise i have no idea i would suspect like i'm just looking at it like this movie in itself is probably going to be a win for Focus Features and one they could desperately use. Uh, Focus, Fe Focus Features has had a real bad run because uh, of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, they've, they had to kind of force some movies that might have been hits to VOD, like Emma was one that I felt like could have done well, and that ended up going to premium VOD. I don't know how it did on premium VOD, but, you know, Focus has had a hard time rebounding. And most notably, they had the Northman you know, which is at about 65 million worldwide against its $90 million budget. And it's pretty much done. It only made a million this weekend. So focus is having a bad run. And I think this was a, uh, this was helpful for them as for the future. You know, if anything does well enough, it always opens the door. Uh, the subtitle of a new era leads you to imply that they might be able, there might be looking at this as a way to, you know, new characters, new settings, new, whatever. So who knows, but, <laughs> um okay what else is there to talk about here i mean okay you mentioned dr strange and yep. obviously that has passed 800 million dollars worldwide yeah uh, so how is the drop this week from last week because there was a, a huge drop from first week to second week yeah i got a lot of shit on twitter for my take on the whole thing but but uh yeah so it, it, it dropped uh 48.8 percent this weekend much more reasonable drop the first weekend drop was pretty bad Wait, 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 why did you get chat? We, we should just well, because we, as we sort of talked about, like I was sort of implying that that big drop and the lack of buzzy word of mouth sort of seemed to imply that maybe just maybe the first hairline cracks in Marvel Studios armor might be starting to show. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I don't. And again, in the understanding that this movie is going to be a resounding hit, but just the the idea that maybe just maybe we could start seeing some cracks forming maybe 
yeah. know, I wasn't even all that definitive about it. I was just sort of, <laughs> and then people just, people just taking me to task over it. And, uh, you know, so whatever, but, yeah. um, to, to be fair, Ryan, this is probably going to hit a billion dollars, right? It's going to come close. At right. Least. And I said that, no, that's, I think it's all but yeah. assured to get to a billion now. Uh, but so as of this weekend, it's at 803 million, um, uh, and for those who care, the domestic uh, international split is a uh, 342 domestic, 461 international. Pretty nice split. Uh, it, it, you know, that's great. And and um, it, it's now by far the highest grossing movie of the year. The Batman previously held that title at $765 million. As you said last week, if you could go back in time and tell anyone <laughs> that a Doctor Strange movie was going to make more than a Batman movie in that given year, you would tell them they were crazy. But that's yeah. where we're at. So um, I, yeah, I, no I would have said to future me that came back in time, I would be like, they're going to make a movie about Dr. Strange. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Let alone that the sequel yeah. would, you know, make, make as much as it did. So no, it's, so that's now, so now we have a new 2022 worldwide box office champion, which is a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. The and other, be, the other to thing be is, fair about your, what you were saying about the, the Marvel stuff, I think it, it, it's not you were looking at the numbers. I think you're reading the room. Like, you know, that's you're seeing what the I was buzz to coming say. off Moon Knight and, you know, yeah. this a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, because, like, the thing is, like, if you just look at, like, the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice numbers, like, almost $900 million worldwide is a big hit movie. You know, but, like, you look at what the result of that movie's, the response to that movie was. You know, and, like, and similar, similar to... The M, you know, the fact that Warner Brothers already had Justice League filming mere days after BVS came out, like the wheels were turning, and and Marvel very much is a wheels are turning situation. Yeah. So I'm just saying that like, if the response to one thing that already came out is not great, and the and the the wheels are already turning, sort of building off of that. It's, you know, you can sort of see where the, the cracks in the armor could start to form. That's, For yeah, sure. but, fine, but but financially, this movie, yes, is going to be a win, but it's more what, what happens if the snowball starts rolling down the hill. But anyway, you know, whatever. I digress. Um, <laughs> the only other thing is, yeah, men is worth talking about because Alex Garland had built up quite a bit of goodwill with a certain uh, number of moviegoers between Ex Machina and Annihilation. Uh, this was his follow-up. Yeah, and he also um, had that uh, that miniseries on Hulu. What was it called? Uh, was that Devs? Devs, which uh, was one, yeah, which popular, I, yeah. I didn't watch yet. Oh yeah, you, but you so should Alex see that. Garland, it's really good. I it's been on my never ending to do list. Uh, but um, but yeah, so Men debuted in the top five, three point two million. A twenty four movies have done a lot worse. A twenty four movies have done a lot better. Uh, the big thing here is that it had a D my, a D plus cinema score, which is very bad. Um, I, I saw an early screening of this. I knew damn well, general audiences were not going to be here for this one. <laughs> uh, the reviews should have been there to tell you that one. It's a challenging movie for general audiences, but this is in a lot of ways what a 24 does. So what I is think this? The, uh, the, D plus cinema score, I think. Well, no, but I mean like they, they, they're willing to take chances on these kind of movies and they can sort of provide an outlet for them now i couldn't yeah. find specific budget figures but i did find in a variety article going over a24's future box office prospects that they said this movie came with a significantly lower budget than everything everywhere all at once so what we know is that it's a lot less than a 25 million dollar budget 
So even if we assume 15 million or less, you know, it makes, you know, maybe 10 million at the domestic box office by the end of its run, maybe a little less, does a little bit international. You get a lot of morbid curiosity rentals out of VOD. This is how A24 makes their money. It may not make a lot of money, but it also probably isn't going to lose them a lot of money either. So whatever. Alex Garland got to make a weird movie. Nobody seems to be losing their ass over it. It'll be okay. You know, like that, that's fine. I think ultimately, and for as much as people might want to label it as a disaster, I don't necessarily know that that's true. I think it's insane that a movie like this weird made that much money at all because the movie's (laughs) very weird. Um, but yeah, I I haven't seen the movie yet, but uh, it does look weird. And I, I will say if Alex Garland's career keeps on going the way it has prior to this film, like this is going to be a library title for them that people are going to be curious about for decades to come. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like Chris Nolan and how his early films and people go to those. So no, a hundred percent. And that's why I think if you can keep things, keep things like this at a, at a reasonable budget level, your, your investment over time can pay off in a lot of ways. And, uh, and the other thing is like, there's that big thing with James Gray floating around right now where he had that really wonderfully eloquent speech about why studios should still be investing in like art house movies. And I've never heard anyone put it better. And his whole thing is the investment in the idea of wanting to keep people interested in movies beyond, you know, like as a cultural touchstone, because if you lose that, then the whole thing starts to fall apart. So something like men and a 24 in general is very important for like getting younger moviegoers interested in artier films and, and keeping people coming to theaters for something that isn't Dr. Strange. That $3.2 million is helpful, you know, yeah. to the industry as a whole. And uh, to your point over time, this could still be a worthwhile play. So long as you're not doing what the Northman did, where you're investing $90 million in an art house movie. <laughs> so like, you know, there, there's a way to do this, but yeah, I agree with that. I agree with your point that over time, this could be, this could be something people seek out. Um, every it, everything, everywhere, all at once, is continuing to make a, a good money. Like it, 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 it has legs. It is. It is nothing shy of a miracle at this point. Uh, it is the kind of thing we never thought could happen again. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, finished at number six this weekend, just behind Men, only dropping five point five percent from last weekend. Uh, another three point one million dollars. Uh, A24. Now the biggest thing, A24's highest grossing domestic movie ever. It passed Uncut Gems. It is now at $52.2 million. As mentioned a bit ago, it had a $25 million budget. Over double its budget domestically, and A24 sold all of the international rights to help cover the budget. So they mostly covered the budget through selling international rights. So they're way in the green on this one. And it's seeming more and more like this is going to keep rolling for... I don't know, at least another few weeks. So <laughs> you could be looking at 60 million domestic, if not more before this is over, plus whatever it does internationally. And then if it has a kind of comeback run by the time the Oscars come around, plus what it will do on VOD, plus what it will do on Blu-ray. Uh, and I think that this is one of those movies that because of the enthusiasm for it, it'll probably do pretty well, like on home video sales relative to its box office. So like this, this is a pretty big deal. This is, this is, uh, this is more. Yeah. So this is proving the point that people will still show up for things and that you can get a word of mouth hit these days. So pretty big deal. 
Yeah. Does um, you mentioned a possible comeback run when award season comes around because this is going to be nominated for something. Uh, you would hope or think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if not at the Oscars, at you know, indie spirit, you know, at somewhere, Other, it's going to be nominated. But, but I think the big ticket item would be if it can get an Oscar nomination or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the question is, like, you know, by then it's going to be on VOD. It's going to be probably on streaming by the end of the year. Do you think they'll actually do a theatrical re-release at that point? Unquestionably, if 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 they're if they are in a, so plus what's nice about that is it's may right and so like if it can be like jordan peele's get out where like it does stick around till award season because get out came out in march and then managed to hang in there and get a best picture nomination um if this can do the same thing what'll happen is a bunch of people are going to catch this on vod or streaming or whatever and then by then you know you look october november it'll have been five or six months since it was in theaters so if they do like a limited re-release there will be people that want to go rewatch it. There will be people that saw it at home that will want to go see it in a theater. Uh, and so I think they will do some sort of re-release for sure. Um, even if it's just a limited engagement or something. And then that can give it a little jolt again. And uh, yeah, so and then the, and then at that point, if it starts getting awards recognition, you're going to get a jolt to the VOD numbers again. So like it'll I think it's going to continue, you know, even if it's not box office, it'll it'll continue to make money up through award season which is which is great well that is good and, and you mentioned that it, it, it is now the biggest film for that company right for a24 yeah, yeah. The, domestically anyway um uh yeah it, it which is you know again the fact that it passed um uncut gems i think is kind of amazing uh so so now we're looking at at the domestic box office uh, yeah, everything everywhere at once. Uh, everything everywhere all at once. Fifty-two million. Uncut Gems was fifty million. Um, so that was that was the top. And then Lady Bird was in the number three spot with forty-eight. Uh, worldwide, uh, Hereditary is still the number one with eighty-one for a twenty-four. Um, everything everywhere all at once. I don't know how robust the international rollout's going to be, but given that the rights were sold off, I suspect we'll get some decent returns there. And I think. I don't know if that 81 is in sight, but it could get closer to it could pass Moonlight any day now because Moonlight huh. did 65. So, you know, pretty big deal. OK, I, I know I touched on this last week. You know, I saw Chippendale Rescue Rangers. You still haven't seen it, right? Is, is that right, Ryan? I had a very busy weekend. And once the reaction started pouring in last week, I couldn't believe I found myself getting excited about a Chippendale movie. But what everyone <laughs> was saying, I was like, this sounds awesome. And so I think tonight after work, uh, I am just exhausted. I had a long weekend. I'm going to just plop down and, you know, enjoy some nonsense. I'm excited <laughs> to watch it. I, I remember at the beginning of the year, uh, we did a podcast with uh, the editors on Slash Home of uh, trying to decide what the most anticipated movies of the year. And me and Brad both like tried to pitch Chippendale Rescue Rangers and Chris Evangelista was having none of it. He was like, there's no way this movie is going to be good. Um, and I was so happy to see he loved the movie or he, he really, enjoyed, I, I don't want to quote, I, I don't know what, what he actually said, but he seemed to really, no, he did on Twitter movie. on Twitter. He, he seemed very enthusiastic <laughs> about it. Like, and, 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 uh, especially compared to the idea that he was having none of what you were, what you were saying. Oh, yeah. And you know, he, he's typical, uh, you know, film. I, 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 uh, you know, I love Chris, but like, you know, he, he 
he loves the stuff he loves, uh, and there's a lot of stuff he doesn't like. And uh, I was happy to see that he was enjoying this movie. But last week, yeah, I said, yeah, totally. Yeah, last week when I, said, I saw this movie, I was like, this movie, I, I saw it at the world premiere on a big screen in a theater filled with people laughing. And it was such a fun time. And I, like, I don't know. To learn that this, I didn't even realize that this movie was going direct to Disney Plus until that screening. And walking out of the theater, I was like, this movie deserves a theatrical run. And seeing all these people talk about it online, and it, it makes me wonder do, do you think Disney is leaving a lot of money on the table here by not releasing this theatrically? That's a complicated question. Um, I think the first thing is you would have had to market the hell out of it and you probably yeah. would have had to release it at a different time. I think this might've been a March release, you know, cause you would have had to kind of avoid the big summer glut, I think with this. Um, but the reviews on it seem to suggest that people do love it. The, the interesting take on it and the nostalgia might've gotten you somewhere. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Cause I'm trying to think of like a, a comparison to this, like what, I guess maybe Wreck-It Ralph in some ways. You know, I know it's not live action, but I'm just trying to think of like the idea of like IP mashing and, you know. Wreck-It what... Ralph. Um, what about uh, like the the Chipmunk movies? I, I know that's not IP mashing, but I feel like it's the high animated hybrid and it's like a a franchise that is kind of past like the the kids of today, but maybe their parents will take them to see it. Uh, well, there is some... De- like, you know, what's weird about like the Alvin and the chipmunk stuff is like for as much as people don't want to talk about like, oh, man, you know, like like that first Alvin and the chipmunks movie made three hundred and sixty five million dollars worldwide yeah, yeah. Uh, against a 60 million dollar budget. Um, So, you know, that's not a bad comp. Uh, But yeah, so so I don't know if it would have done that in the covid era. But I look at something like Encanto where Encanto went to theaters had a 30 day exclusive theatrical window made about $200 million or a little more than that, I think, by the end of its run. Um, uh, and uh, so let's see here. What did Encanto do by the end of it? Oh, wow. Encanto did two fifty-five. dollars uh, oh, wow. So even though it had a slightly big production budget, here's the thing. Encanto did two fifty-five in theaters. It hits Disney Plus 30 days later. Becomes a gigantic hit on Disney Plus. The soundtrack, like, you know, all over the Billboard charts. So... Disney was able to, if not break even, recoup most of its budget with that box office release and then still get a ton of business for Disney+. Plus. Yeah. What this, what the industry is quickly learning is that streaming, like the movies that do best on streaming are movies that do well in theaters. Movies that are released strictly to streaming often do not do as well. That's what <laughs> we're learning. So like, you know, because essentially your box office release is a, is a gigantic bit of advertising for your streaming release. That happens to generate revenue. This is why a lot of times you'll see, like, remember, remember a few weeks ago, you remarked at like how IFC Midnight has had almost no movies that made any money at the box office. Yeah. Okay, so the idea there is that this is something VOD movies have done for ages. That VOD movies will do a theatrical release. They don't make a ton of money at the box office. That's fine. That essentially serves as advertising for the VOD release. That is how those movies make money. So your streaming can essentially work as that on the largest scale, where you're using the box office release as a gigantic form of advertising and building interest for when that movie hits streaming. And it just so happens that that form of advertising can generate a lot of revenue. 
So I think Chip and Dale could have been a good example of this might have been worth putting in theaters because even if it didn't break even in theaters, it was going to pr- provide a gigantic boost to your eventual streaming release. And that's what I think the play should start being for these bigger movies. Hmm. I mean, it's just kind of disappointing to me. Like, you know, I, I love streaming. I love being able to watch stuff at home, but I also like seeing certain things in the, or having the option to see certain things in the theater. And also, you know, there was recently this quote from Tom Rothman, who is the head over at Sony he was talking to Deadline, and Deadline um, <laughs> Deadline uh, called him a, a disruptor because he, you know he, he Sony is like the only studio right now that isn't yep. pivoting to a streaming model. And Rothman said to uh, I'm going to read a quote here to paraphrase Mark Twain: "Reports of the death of the theatrical movie has been greatly exaggerated." Why it happened, there's a current Wall Street obsession with streaming. The media narrative follows, and it becomes viewed as an established wisdom, whether it, or not it's true. We finished the best year of our we've finished the best year we've ever had at the movie company in the midst of COVID. Our model is alive uh, and well and thriving. And uh, with deadline asked why, he said, cultural impact. If you are going to achieve any sense of performance of mattering in a movie content business, you have to make cultural impact. It's different for series, but the vast force of movie fodder that exists on the six or eight streaming services don't make cultural impact. The vast majority are written in the disappearing ink because algorithms don't market streamers don't uh, have to get over the bar of making real cultural impact. Theatrical movies do. When they fail, it's rough. When they succeed, they they become a meaningful part of pop culture. And when that happens, they become very valuable uh, economically. Sony Pictures alone has grossed $3.3 billion at the worldwide box office in those eight months in the middle of Omicron. So what do I have to say uh, to those who say movies are dead? That's a good death. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I hate to agree with him because I, I, I've, I've had so many disagreements with how Rothman runs things and having talking to, uh, talked to many creatives that's worked with him and <laughs> he's not a, uh, I, I'm trying to put it politically. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it, it just, it doesn't seem like I, I, I tend to agree with, uh, it, it, where he comes from, but in, in, in this method, I, I totally agree with everything he's saying there. Here's the thing. I don't know anyone that's worked for Tom Rothman as a creative. What yeah. I do know about Tom Rothman in the current business environment, <laughs> he sees that he is, I, I have agreed with everything this dude has said recently. Like I know the deadline. I read the debt for pleasure. I read the deadline article you're talking about. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, like I, I, I think Rothman absolutely has his head on straight here. And, uh, and yeah, like, and again, like it, it just, especially as the world can slowly kind of sort of gets back to some sort of normal, you know, I think like the idea is we sort of need to retrain consumers a little bit that like, okay, not all of your movies are going to be available at home right away. That's just how it is. They will be home a lot sooner than they used to be. And that's cool. But like you, you know, like these, these, these are business ventures and we need to make our money. 
And sometimes releasing them on VOD the same day that they hit theaters is not the best for business. And if you want more of these, this is just the way it's got to be. Because I just remember a ton of people complaining about Scream not going to VOD right away. And I understand that like some people couldn't go to theaters. That's fine. It was on Paramount Plus 45 days later to stream for free after that. Yeah. So like that's just got to, you know, I understand. I understand that sucks for some people. But like also if you want more Scream and you want more of those movies, the <laughs> box office is the path to money. So like, so, you know, that's, the, you know, it's, I've seen the joke plenty of times now where Warner Brothers is talking about like most of their movies are going to go to theaters before they go to HBO Max now, like the Wonder Twins movie getting canceled and all that stuff. People make a joke like, wow, studios are learning that if you make money, the movies will succeed. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like, yeah, because yeah. the Netflix model is insane. I still don't know how the gray man makes any sense for $200 million to not ever touch theaters. You know, I don't I still have no idea how you justify even becoming a number one hit on Netflix. I still don't know how a two hundred million dollar movie makes any sense. You know, so like, you know, the future is probably not big, expensive, exclusive streaming movies as much as it has been. And I think Chippendale, do I know what it could have made at the box office? No, I do not. Do I think pivoting to a box office release? Maybe earlier in the year when there wasn't as much big as much big competition, getting all that good buzz and then having it hit Disney Plus 30 days later might have been good. I do. Yeah, I would, I, the, the thing about Chippendale, too, is I feel like it really had the potential to become kind of like one of those. One of those movies that are, you know, that people reference from for years to come. And I feel like because it was dropped on streaming. It's going to be one of those things that like next month, no, you know, it's going to be like, nobody the, talks about it. yeah, no one's it, like, and, like, and Tom that's, like in Kanto, is, and it's, it's written in yeah. uh, invisible ink. It, you know, disappears. Yeah. And Kanto benefit and Kanto benefited greatly from being in theaters first. And like, it's not going to get lost in the conversation as the years go on, you know, and Kanto is going to, you know, people are going to be talking about, we don't talk about Bruno forever. You know what I mean? And like the idea of what for we've talked about this a little bit with like a new alien movie and a new predator movie, both going directly to Hulu. It's going to be weird. Those things are going to get lost in the ether because we're probably never going to get a Blu-ray release. Even like two movies within the biggest, most enduring sci-fi franchises of all time are just going to be a tile on a streaming service for a few weeks. And that's going to be it, you know, like and that's going to be weird. And I don't know at what degree that those things become part of the larger pop culture conversation for all of alien covenants failings on its fifth anniversary. My Twitter feed was filled with people that were talking about how much they love that movie and hope it gets a reevaluation. That still becomes a relevant part of the pop culture conversation to what degree (laughs) that Fede Alvarez movie in a couple of years does on Hulu. I don't know. So we'll see. Okay, I think we've run out of time today. If you want to find more of all of our work, you can go to slashfilm.com. If you if you, you can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. Please no emails about Ryan saying uh, predicting the death of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe <laughs> preemptively. Uh, uh, please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer 
Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.